0: Welcome to Tea Talk. All of life flows from the spiritual center of the culture. If this center is healthy, the culture becomes healthy. Tea Talk is a time of intrigue, investigation, insight, and inspiration, enabling you on your life's journey. Invest in your future by gleaning from today's session. Now, let's look for the entrance, all right? Let's look for these entrances to the fellowship. Okay, uh, go with me. Uh, well, let's go to uh, the book of Titus. I'll move along here. The book of Titus, Matthew, Mark, Titus. I like the I like the Spanish word Tito. I like that one, Tito. Let's go to the book of Tito. You know, now in the book of Titus. Start reading with me at verse 10. It quote says, For there are many unruly and vain talkers and deceivers, especially they in the circumcision, whose mouths must be stopped, who subvert whole houses, teaching things which they ought not, for filthy lucre's sake. One of themselves, even a prophet of their own, said, The Cretans are always liars, evil beasts, and slow bellies. All right, now, so let's look at, that, uh, at the uh, the entrance that the enemy will be looking for to come in. Just one of many, I'm sure we can get into more. But first of all, in verse 10, he talks about the rebellious. rebates. Now, there's nobody in here that's rebellious, right? Okay, what does the Bible say? Rebellion is the sin of witchcraft. But we don't read the rest of that verse. What's the rest of that verse say? And stubbornness... As a sin of iniquity. Now, I know a lot of people, they're not rebellious, but man, they sure are stubborn. Now, I know you don't have that here in Weimar, all right? There are no stubborn people here, is that correct? Okay, all right. I'll I'll let you be the discerner of that, okay? But iniquity is the idea of twisting things. Stubbornness will always twist things, it'll always twist them up. You ever been talking to somebody and they've been on their way of doing things? And what do they do? We say that they're, uh, 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 what's the word I want to use?
1: Strong-willed.
0: Strong-willed, but there's another word uh, uh, that they use. Uh, um, oh, man, can't think of it right now. But the idea being is that they sway you over to their way of doing it. They will take it, and they all of a sudden now, they start making you doubt the very thing that you believe in. Why? Because they're twisting it all up. That's a sign of stubbornness. And stubbornness is part of it here. And we got things that God's kind has sent the Holy Spirit. God has sent spiritual leadership, has sent them into the midst of us. And yet, because we're so bent on our way, we will not allow anything. That stubbornness has come in and we will not allow it. So what we have in the midst of us, instead of freedom, we have things that are twisted and perverted and God has to set us free from that perverted spirit. Rebellion. Verse 10 talks about empty talkers how many of you have been around those people that are talkers talk about that today talkers I mean they say hey listen I need to talk to you what they're really saying to you is I need you to listen to me because nobody else will now listen I've got many free lunches over talkers <laughs> many and man when they say you want to go I said, listen this restaurant here it's about $50 a plate I'll be there If you're buying, oh, I'll buy, I'll buy. I said, okay, great. You know, so John, he's not a talker, so he took me and paid, you know, ten ninety five for my breakfast this morning. All right, but but anti talkers, what do they do? They talk and say nothing. They talk and say nothing. I know pastors that stand up and they preach and they say nothing. I may be doing it today. I don't know, you know, but the whole idea is that this is a sign that the enemy has made inroads into your midst, moving inside of the cap of the castle of the of, of, of the church. He's moving in there because there's a lot of talk, but there's no action. It's just empty talk. Yeah. See, all right, here's another one deceivers. Deceivers. He talks about this in the verse. He says in verse 10, he said they're empty talkers and they're deceivers, not deceived. They are deceivers. They come in with the concept of deception. They come in and they manipulate and they dominate and they intimidate and they do all those types of things. Why? Because it's the intent of deception. That's their intention. Come in with it there. And verse 10, uh, notice, notice the ones who are the deceivers. They're the religious people. Says they are of the circumcision, of the circumcision. That's the religious crowd. That's the religious group. That's that's there. Okay. And then also it says uh, in verse eleven, wrong teaching is a sign that the enemy is making entrance into there. You know. See, all of our teaching needs to be weighed out in the presence of a godly counsel. You know, not every time. I'm not saying that, but there's certain things that we need to understand that that we need to uh, we need to be held accountable. It talks about prophecy uh, there in First Corinthians. We think that's just standing up and prophesying. and Somebody else stands up in judgment. Every time you preach, you're prophetically speaking, and we got to weigh it out. And listen, the best way to know if I'm preaching prophetically and proclaiming the truth as God has given to me, guess what? And I'm not bringing wrong teaching. All I have to do is turn around and see, have I got people asking me questions? Have I got people (coughs) walking it out? Have I got people that are thinking about it? If I've got those type of things, chances are I'm bringing the right teaching. All right? I know sometimes I speak over people's head. And I used to get really upset over that. And Tina, she already warned me this morning, you know. I said, Tina, because I I I really got, I mean, I got under the gun about this. So I mean, and I went to the Lord and I said, Lord, listen, if I'm not connecting, he said, Terry, I didn't ask you to connect. He said, I didn't ask you to speak to their head. I asked you to speak to their spirit. And when they start reading their spirit, all of a sudden what you say will make sense to them. Say, thank you. And they said, So, I'm stuck with this. I can't get it open. Anyway, so so as a result of that, you see, we, we need to understand that there is wrong teaching that's coming forth. We've got to get beyond, and I said this to the group last night, we got to get beyond charismatic opinions and get into the really consecrated message of Jesus Christ. We've got to get there, you see. And the world is pushing our envelope and saying, you better come across with something that's genuine. You better come across with something that's authentic. And they're pushing us in this element. They're, they're challenging us. They're saying to us over and over again. And then the last thing that we see is, of course, he comes in through accusations. Accusativeness. You see. And so we see this again and again. Now, what's how does this happen? Okay. All right. Let me say this to you. A crisis. Would everybody say the word crisis? Uh, crisis is a good thing, but it's also a very dangerous thing. A crisis is the door to the next level. That's what a crisis is. All right. But also, if the crisis is undealt with, it opens the door for a prevailing spirit. Let me say it again. All right. A crisis is the door to the next level. But it also, if the crisis is undealt with, it opens the door. For a prevailing spirit. And the prevailing spirit. Then will wait. To the time. That you're most effective. Most effective. And then he will know. When to hit. In Psalms 33 verse 16 and 17. It, it shifted. When David numbered Israel. Joab. He trespasses to Israel, against Israel, and it shifted David's confidence off of the resources of God to his own resources. A crisis. Satan knows who to hit to stop paradise from being rebuilt. He knows exactly how to do it. And he comes not at the time when we're struggling. Not at the time when we're uh, climbing up the mountain. He comes when we have reached the summit of that level. He comes at that particular time, and that's when that prevailing spirit opens up and comes and begins to attack the fellowship or your home or your business or whatever. Okay? So it's not just a church principle. This is a life principle about crisis. Alright? Now, I remember um, I was in Dayton, Ohio, as a young man. Becky and I were ministering at this particular church. And to go to this church, it's kind of set up on a hill, and you had to go up these stairs and then into the sanctuary uh, to to go into the building. And And up, up these stairs, there was a like a, an easement over the front of the, the doors that you walked in. And as I'm walking up the stairs, I saw this little... Uh, I don't know, best I can describe him is he's on Harry Potter. Uh, I've never seen Harry Potter, other than the commercials. There's a little gula. he's like a, a skinless, I mean, a hairless creature, buggy eyes. That Kind of the way that I saw this thing here. And, and so he, he goes, uh, let me in. That's what he said to me, in the spirit. He said, let me in. I go, i got permission to let you in. I said, who are you? He said, I am a prevailing spirit waiting to go in. But he said, because of what's happening on the inside and their prayers that are being offered, I can't get in. Amen. I can't get in. But guess what? He's waiting there. Brother Hagan told the story that he was down in Pasadena with Brother uh, Goodwin, I believe it was the pastor's name. And Brother Hagan said, Man, I just kept praying. And he said, We couldn't get a breakthrough. So I told Brother Goodwin, We're going to fast and pray today. So they went to the church and they started praying about midday. Brother Hagan said, He looked up. In the, They had rafters in their church. He said, I looked up and I saw this being in the church. And he said, I asked him, what is your name? I can't remember what he said his name was. But he said, I have been here for years. This is my residence. Because it never was dealt with. And how many businesses, how many... Uh, ministries, mm-hmm. how many churches have those things taken up? Residence that's there, yes. waiting for a time, because I have know churches, they'll grow, 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 they'll hit that climax, boom, and all of a sudden, something will happen, they have a mass exit. Yeah. A mass exit. Yeah. Preventing the Spirit. See? You know, and that's what Satan's looking for. Now, how does he do this? Okay, here's how he starts in here. Okay, number one, first of all, write it down. Uh, let's see, is it up here? Okay. Verse number one is... Seducing spirits. Seducing spirits are always at the door of a crisis. All right? Seducing spirit means a rover, okay, or like a tramp. Somebody, you know, uh, the old days, the old hobos used to go up and down the tracks and get on the train, ride place to place. That's the idea of a seducing spirit. It means an imposter or misleader. Uh, You can use the word deceiver or seducing. Uh, a seducing spirit appeals to your desires. The, the You're attracted to it. Uh, it can accuse and you try to, listen to me, when you're accused, a seducing spirit is working to get you to defend yourself. You start defending yourself in accusation. Well, I didn't say that. I didn't do this. I don't, I don't know. You know, and there's sometimes when you need to speak up, but don't make it to the point where you fall under that spirit, all right? Accusing, okay? Uh, Another one is uh, excitement. This is very, this is why so many prevailing spirits are in Pentecostal churches, because it's based on let's all get excited. Let's all get, let's just worship God. Let's get to praying to God. Let's just get, you know, they get going, and they get everything excited. Can open the door to a seducing spirit, because guess what? The Holy Spirit's coming, and so is He. Okay, thank you for your enthusiasm. Another one, a way that He comes, a seducing spirit show up, is He will dominate your interests. This is very rampant in some of the agricultural world that I've been operating in, because the horses have more interest than Jesus Christ. What I'm winning in the arena is more important than what I'm doing down in, on, in the prayer closet with God. And, and I know they got testimonies about Jesus. And they got all that kind of stuff there. But I'm telling you, my question has always been, how many of them have placed a higher interest upon their belt buckle versus the buckle of salvation? What is the word buckle? Okay. Interest. Fascination is another way. We're fascinated by it, okay? Fascinated by it. These seducing spirits come and they they capture it. And it's just like you're stuck on it. And you can't get away from it, and you just you you you're fascinated by it. And you you're enthralled by it. It just takes your attention. No, no, no. Another one is uh, enticing you, enticing you. Uh, but it's the door opener. That's what the seducing spirit is. First Timothy chapter four, uh, verse one it says, "Now the spirit speaks expressively, expressly, expressly." that in the latter times some shall depart from the faith, giving heed or giving over to seducing spirits and doctrines of devils. Now listen to this, verse two. And here's how to tell. Speaking lies in hypocrisy, having their conscience seared with a hot iron. In other words, the word seared there means to cauterize something. All right, it means to weld something. In other words, it's got a permanent stick that's there, you see. And so what happens is it's twofold how this thing functions. First, it comes with seduction. It gets you through attraction or accusing and all those that I described. First, it comes with that seduction. It gets your attention in some way. Then, second step is it starts indoctrinating you. Indoctrinating you. And it may, you say, oh, wow, and this, we have to be careful, in this, especially in spiritual ranks, because, wow, the Lord said, the Lord said. Now, I understand God speaks, but I also understand that the enemy knows how to use that as a weapon to get entrance into where he wants to go. All right? Now, uh, we see a classic example of that, Eve in the garden. Uh, we'll take time to go through that. All right, so here's another area, okay? Seducing spirits. Here's another one I call what they call shipwreck. Shipwreck. Uh, what is shipwreck? Uh, shipwreck is this one. Uh, remember what I told you earlier about the servant comes to Eve and he says, I know what God said, but so what? So what? Big deal. You know, uh, so what? Go ahead and do it. Go ahead and take the fruit. See, you know, because he, he, was, he was there and he was giving his counsel and his input to it. So what? So what is shipwreck? It's the loss or destruction of a ship through storms. Now think about I want you to think about people right now, okay? Storms, collision, going aground, ruined by accidents due to neglect. Okay? It means to be stranded or the word I want to use is alienation. Alienation. There are people that come here on Sunday that are alienated. Let me give you the difference between alienation and isolation. Alienation is me making myself to be alone. Isolation is a feeling of loneliness that God's drawing me for a season of prayer. You got it? Alienation is me dec- deciding I'm going to be alone. Nobody loves me. Nobody cares about me. Nobody wants me. They don't like me anymore. I got bad breath. You know. I like is that right, Tom? All right. You know. See, I'm all alone. I'm in, I mean, nobody likes me. Nobody wants to help me. Nobody this. You know, crack, cry. But isolation is being alone at God's summoning to us. In other words, when you feel. You are uh, not lonely is not the right word, but I can't think of another. Word. Alone, I guess, is the right word. Sometimes it's God trying to draw you to a season to Himself. There's a difference, all right. So now, go with me to First Timothy, chapter one, all right, uh, verse eighteen. This charge I commit unto you, son Timothy. Notice how he uses that word son. That's that's a very uh, strong phrase that Paul's bringing here. He wants uh, Timothy to understand the seriousness of it here. So he uses that phrase. According to the prophecies which went before on you, that you by them might war a good warfare. All right. You, when you have prophecy, use the prophecy as a weapon. Mm -hmm. All right? Holding faith, not shipwrecking your faith, and a good conscience, which some having put away concerning faith, have made shipwrecked. How did they wreck their faith? They didn't hold on to it. Didn't hold on to it. See, yeah, but it didn't turn out the way that it was supposed to turn out. No, it turned out exactly what faith God wanted it to turn out. You see, we read the first part of Hebrews chapter 11. We ignore the last part of chapter 11. Some of them had received the promises and saw them afar off, but they never saw them manifested on the earth. They held on to their faith. It it doesn't turn out on earth like we want it to turn out. It doesn't mean that you let go of your faith. It doesn't mean somebody didn't have enough faith. It doesn't mean somebody didn't do what they were supposed to do. God just said, you hold on to your faith, and I'm the one that is sovereign, and I'll determine what comes of this. That's what Paul's saying to Timothy. Hold on to your faith. If God's given you a word, I don't care. Say it till you're black and blue in the face. Say it, proclaim it, walk it, act it. Know it, see it, do whatever you need to do. Hold on to your faith. Notice what happens here. He says, which some have put away concerning faith. Well, you know, I know God said it, but you know, I don't know if it's going to happen or not. I, I just don't know. You know, there's nothing. Listen to me. You can still believe and wrestle with doubt. In fact, the sign of true faith is you battle doubt. It's not a sign of weakness, it's a sign of the strength of your faith. Are you with me? All right, going on here. All right. And yet and they so putting away concerning faith have made shipwreck. And notice what he says Of whom is Hymenius and Alexander. Look what he says who I have delivered unto Satan, the prosecuting attorney. Why? That they may learn not to blaspheme. Listen, whenever we are turned over to the prosecuting attorney, it's to learn something. Evidently, we don't know as much as we thought we knew, Or we don't have the revelation that we thought we had. And so God says, I've got to do some things here because you're making your faith shipwreck here. And he said, so listen, gonna what I'm going to do is I'm going to give you revelation and the advocate's going to come because revelation comes from Jesus and you as the uh, uh, legal aid, you put the case together and you present it to the advocate and the advocate's going to present it to the father and you're going to defeat the prosecuting attorney. Why? Because you learned it. Are you all with me? Shipwreck. Go with me over to Ch- uh, Second Timothy. One book over. 2 Timothy chapter 2. Now let's start reading in verse 13. If you believe not, yet he abides faithful. He cannot deny himself. Of these things put them in remembrance, charging them before the Lord that they strive not about words to no profit, but to the subverting of the hearers. Study. To show yourself approved unto God, a workman that need not be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. But shun profane and vain babblings, for they will increase unto more and more ungodliness, and their word, and their words will eat as does a cankerworm, of which is Hymenius and Philetus, who concerning the truth have erred. Saying that the resurrection is past already and overthrown the faith of some. Shipwrecked their faith. Okay? How does this happen? Lamentation says this, chapter 3 and verse 6. He hath set me in dark places as they that be dead of old. Verse starts by straying, of course. By straying, of course. Um, right now write down um, Romans chapter 2 and verse 20 I love this uh, to, uh, was it second Timothy 4 says that uh, you have a form of godliness but you deny the power thereof all right this is straying off course Romans chapter 2 and verse 20 Paul says to the about the, the the children of Israel or the Jews he said, they have a form of knowledge and truth. But they don't go all the way into it. Okay, I'm kind of paraphrasing. It. Okay, they don't move all the way into it. And he was thinking of, of, of the children of Israel that when they got to Mount Sinai, they said to Moses, Moses, we're not going any further. You go up and hear from God. And you come back and tell us what God said. Then we'll decide whether we're going to do it or not. So in other words, there are many that only go part of the way up, but don't want the full revelation from God. And that's what they were saying. God wanted to speak to all of them. Didn't he say to Moses, sanctify the whole tribe, the whole co- the whole nation. Sanctify them. Tomorrow I want them to come up. I'm going to speak to the whole nation. they saw the thunder and they saw the lightning and they saw the smoke and they saw the fire they saw all that kind of stuff their slave mentality put them in fear and they only went part of the way up there are people today that will only go part of the way they have a form of knowledge they have a form of truth they have a form of godliness but they deny the power thereof straying off course wow Uh, let's go on here All right. uh, another one here, area here that we need to get into is what I call spiritual dullness. Spiritual dullness. Boredom. Boredom is a pattern, not a reality. Spiritual dullness. Hebrews chapter 5, verse 11 says, Of whom we have many things to say and hard to be uttered, seeing you are dull of hearing. Dull of hearing. Here's what he's saying here. When this takes place, when we see here now that that our faith is being shipwrecked is because our spiritual capacity is minimized. And God has to enlarge our spiritual capacity to keep receiving the revelation that he has has for us. I asked the question, I think it was last night, why would God give us a download more of revelation when we don't have the spiritual capacity to handle it? I said to a church last week, or to a Congress last week, I said, why would God add to your church when you don't have the spiritual capacity to free them up with what they're bringing in. Thank you for joining today in your pursuit of perfection and peace of mind. For more experienced and valuable choices, visit our website, terrylthompson.org. Stay connected for more life-changing and reliable systems of thought and renewal.